0: Welcome to profoundly pointless. My name is Nick Vinzant coming up in this episode rush and bad sayings they now have to make a video they have to do essay questions
1: so it's not just like showing up in a cute dress anymore. That's by design because it's marketing. They want to market themselves as a certain type of house or sorority on campus TV and and movies really take that stereotype and run with it and make it so like just gross I guess I can't even begin to tell you how many doors have opened for me being a part of my sorority
0: I want to thank you so much for joining us if you get a chance subscribe leave us a rating or a review we really appreciate it it really helps us out if you're a new listener welcome to the show if you're a longtime listener, thank you so much for all of your support. So our first guest specializes in helping people get into the sororities of their dreams. But even if you're not interested in what you should do or you shouldn't do, I think she has a fascinating look at fraternities and sororities, the role they play in our society, the secrets they have, and why we're so fascinated. This is Rush Consultant, Lori Stefanelli. What is Rush? Like for people who are not familiar with this, What is Rush?
1: Sure. So, Sorority Rush is the process in which young women, college age, usually 18, fresh out of high school, who are fixing to go off to college and want to join a sorority. So, basically, what that entails is they sign up to go through the process and they go and visit all the different houses that are on their campus. And then from there, you know, it gets narrowed down to, you know, their choice um, at the end for bid day.
0: So it's essentially like a selection process right it's auditioning for a selection process
1: yes i would definitely say it's more of a selection mutual selection process both on the sorority side and on the potential new members side
0: why is this important why is getting into a good sorority or a sorority like why is this so important to people
1: sure i think it's important to young women um, especially now uh it's important because it's giving them a community within smaller community within a bigger community of their college campus so it allows them to connect with other women who share the same values who are like-minded and allows them to also get involved in other areas on campus and within the community as well Um, but obviously for social reasons right like people want to be social in college they want to have fun and go to football games and parties and things like that so this is definitely a good place to do that with and if that makes sense.
0: Is it more than kind of the cool club at the end of the day?
1: It is, to be quite honest. Um, You know, there's a lot of girls who maybe aren't like the big partiers, but instead what they like to do is... They are more into their academics. So it allows them to push themselves a little bit further because you have to keep up your grades in order to stay in the sorority. Um, It gives them scholarship opportunities as well within the national organization. Um, So yeah, I mean, it's definitely a stepping stone and it opens a lot of doors for so many women.
0: When it goes through like the rush process, the selection process, is this about... Somebody's grades, somebody's morals, somebody's ethics, or is this like, she's cute and she's pretty, she looks like us, bring her in the club.
1: Um, I would definitely say it's a little bit of both. So I think more of the, like, she's a well-rounded person. We really like her. Um, but there are certain houses at certain campuses that are more like, oh, she's really cute. Like, we would love to have her. Um, we call them looks houses. And so that's kind of like what they're into. And that's perfectly fine. If that's something that you're into as well, then Godspeed. But I think some other girls are more like, we want the full package.
0: I think that maybe for people who are looking this at it first from the outside, like for, this is like an inside versus outside. Film, mm-hmm. right? Like if you're on the inside... This makes complete sense, and if you're on the outside, this doesn't make any sense at all. Like, how would you kind of explain it to somebody like that might think, "What's going on here?"
1: Yeah, I think to explain it to someone from the outside, like I always say, like, "Oh, if they're from like Europe or you know a different country, because this is truly an American thing." Um, And I think just to explain to somebody about what it means to be in a sorority or what it takes to be in a sorority, it's it's really just young women like if you go back and think about it in the early years of on college campuses in the late 1800s early 1900s going to college for a woman was a very new thing and so and there weren't a lot of women on campus to begin with so they had to create their own groups in order for them to feel supported and they were kind of like the first feminist groups on campus back in the day Um, over the years it's kind of morphed into something else. So if you look back at like the fifties and sixties, it was very much like, Oh, she's cute. Like, you know, let's, let's have her join our sorority. It was very, um, I guess a little shallow, if you will. Um, because it was just more of like a social club. It was a social organization. You know, when my mom was in her sorority in the sixties, um, it was very much about you know going to school and getting your mrs degree and finding a husband and i think people now still think of it in that terms but y'all it is in our dear lord 2023 year 2023 like we've evolved right so i think in the 80s it became very like passe like nobody really wanted to join one and a little bit into the 90s as well but i think with social media it's really kind of picked back up in popularity but sororities in general have also picked up on like hey we need to evolve in order to stay current and to keep our traditions alive so now you see that women are joining sororities for a lot of different reasons it's the connections you'll make during and after college it's job opportunities it's um like i said scholarship opportunities it's ways to network and connect with people um, you know like i said i work for warner brothers discovery we have an internship program here so one of the things that i let my girls know is like if you're ever interested we have an internship program for you waiting for the summer um, so i think it's evolved into so much more than what it used to be back in the 50s and 60s um, but definitely you know starting to be a little bit more aware of like what the reputation can be because I think a lot of people still think of sororities as being women who want to find a husband, women who are just there to look pretty and like, you know, whatever. Um, But I think explaining to someone who just doesn't know what this is, it's just, it's a social group. It's a support system for young women when they're away from their families and, you know, college for the first time. It's, It's really just a support system.
0: Looking at kind of the South, that seems to be the biggest area for sororities and fraternities. On a scale of like one to 10, how important is this for somebody coming into college? Is this like, eh, no big deal? Or is this like, my life is over if I don't get into where I want?
1: I guess it all depends on the person. But I think if you're going to school like a big SEC school, Alabama, you know Auburn, Georgia, it's a big deal. It's a really big deal. I would say it's like an eight or nine
0: pretty far up there, right? But is, is everybody kind of getting in to something ultimately, or are there people that are just, man, you're out, you're, you're at the nerd table.
1: (laughs) I mean, okay. So again, going back to the fifties, it used to be like that. Like if it used, if you had 10 sororities on campus and you were meant to be with the nerd table, then you were probably not, going to get a bid, but now they've made it so that it's more of a mutual selection process. Right? So at the end of the day, if you stick with the process, you will end up with a sorority. Will it be the sorority you want? Probably not. Um, or maybe not that. I guess that like all really depends on like the girl, but at the end of the day, if you stick to the process, you will end up with the house.
0: So as a rush consultant, like, what are you doing basically?
1: Yeah, no, that's a good question. I get asked, like, what could you possibly be teaching these girls? And I am teaching them a lot. Having my my background in human resources um, allows me to, one, have sometimes difficult conversations with these girls. Like sometimes they need to be brought down a little bit or they need to like take a step back and look at the big picture of like what this really is. So I have... A lot of experience in doing that but in addition I help them with the prep of doing it so that could be the registration process they now have to make a video they have to do essay questions so it's not just like showing up in a cute dress anymore you know it's like really walking them through that process and when you go to a school like Alabama where they could potentially have three thousand girls going through recruitment and only 18 houses available you know how do you how do you stand out right it's and it's competitive in the sense of like if there's a houses that certain girls want it's going to be harder to get into those houses so how do I help them stick out and shine and that could be in a lot of different ways whether it's their social media presence how they do their video how they do their essay questions um and their conversations during the party so I help out with all of that and then wardrobe also
0: what would you say is kind of the biggest thing that people, most of your clients, like, oh, they need, it's usually they, it's this thing that they have to work on. What thing do they need to work on the most? What thing do people usually like, oh, they kind of got this?
1: Since COVID, I think the biggest thing that a lot of young women need to help with is talking about themselves and talking to somebody that they don't know without having a phone in their hand or, or whatever. Um, I think ever since COVID, a lot of these kids have been deprived of like social interactions and, you know, joining clubs and sports and things like that. So they're like really hungry for it, but at the same time, they're anxious about it. So I need to kind of help them figure out like, what is your story? What is your narrative? Like, how do you want to present yourself to these girls? Let's figure what out, what that is. And like, let's craft that into your conversation so that when you walk in, you have a little bit of like, you know, a sales pitch. Um, and I find that a lot of young girls hate talking about themselves. You know, it's like that self, you know, deprecation is like already there. Um, so just really trying to get them comfortable, like, you know, saying things about themselves and even introducing themselves to young, other young women.
0: I don't know if this question is either going to be a brilliant question or kind of like an impossible, <laughs> an impossible one to answer, but if you were to design like the perfect sorority rush candidate, what does the hair look like? What's the personality? What's the clothes? What's the shoes? Like, what would you cut? How, what would they look like?
1: Everyone's so different. I I don't know if I can really answer that because I feel like mostly it's going to be a girl who has confidence. Honestly, Um, a girl who can pick up very quickly, like anything that I'm teaching her. Um, And then also like you know like if she's not the cutest girl in the world maybe i'm not going to change her i'm not going to make her go dye her hair and get fake eyelashes and tell her to go spend hundreds of dollars on clothes what i'm going to do is i'm going to say that's a really cute dress but what i would do instead of red why don't we go with blue because i saw you wear blue the other day and i thought it was a fantastic color on you so it's just like more like you know smoothing out the rough edges if you will
0: presenting the best version of themselves correct So I only know about this from like what I've seen on social media. Mm -hmm. And when I look at it, like everybody kind of looks the same. Like this house, they all look the same. Mm -hmm. This house, they all look the same. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: That's by design.
1: Why is that? That's by design because it's marketing. They want to market themselves as a certain type of house or sorority on campus. And it's so that they can pull in those same types of girls. And if you notice, it's the same exact sororities from the exact same campuses that always do the videos on social media. There's a lot of other sororities that you don't see them doing that because they don't have to,
0: you know? Oh, so really the ones that you see on social media, those are kind of the quote unquote lower houses.
1: I think it's not that they're like a lower house. I think it's just that that's what they like to present themselves at as, and then they like to pull in
0: those same types of girls. So it's not like this is the blonde house. This is the brunette house. Right. This is the redhead house kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. I mean, and honestly, like the, the, girls who are the sororities that do those videos, it's the same girls in the same videos over and over and over. Trust me, like those ones that you see with all the blonde girls that look like Barbie dolls, they have the brunettes sitting in the back that, you know, that's just not their jam. Like they don't want to be on social media, but they have specific groups of girls within the sororities that, you know, are the same ones over and over doing those videos.
0: I think that throughout this interview, you can kind of tell that I, I certainly have a certain opinion about it, right? Like, and I feel like I've kind of let that influence this a little bit. Does the way that I'm kind of coming off is that a true perception? Like that kind of like all oh, these people are the same. It's vapid. It's blah 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 blah. Right? I'm being dramatic. Mm-hmm. But do I have a good analysis of it, or am I? Are you secretly like this guy is completely wrong, and you're missing the point? <laughs>
1: I think you are wrong in missing the point. Okay.
0: Okay. That's fair. That's completely fair, right? (laughs) Yeah.
1: Honestly, like I I know society and culture wants us to put us in like this box of like, this is what it means to be in a sorority and this is what you look like and this is what you wear. And it's it's some, again, there are some elements of that, but it's not everything. And I think it's just a matter of what that sorority is putting out there. Um to see you know like oh like because they're gonna attract those same types of girls so there is an element of it where it's a little vapid and just kind of like shallow but it really is so much more than that
0: when you look at like say the the rush as a whole how can you like sum up i know this is obviously very different depending on colleges etc etc but how does the whole process kind of basically work
1: yeah so surprisingly enough most college campuses um, are under the umbrella of the National Panhellenic Association and the National Panhellenic Association basically is the governing council over all of the national sororities on college campuses. So when you go to a school, regardless if you go to, you know, Boise state, Alabama, you know, Arizona state, wherever you're, Villanova, it doesn't matter where you're going. The foundation of recruitment, is going to be the same because they all have to adhere to the guidelines process and rules of what Panhellenic sets. So they'll do an orientation day, right? So orientation is the first day of recruitment. You go and get assigned um, what they call like a recruitment counselor. Some schools call it like Ro kai's, Pi Chi's, whatever. Um, And she is a woman who has disaffiliated from her sorority for the summer so that she can help prospective new members find their home. And so she's supposed to be a guide, if you will. And so you get assigned a Rokai and that Rokai has, let's say 20 girls under her arm. During recruitment, she is saying, okay, this is your schedule, this is where you need to go. So orientation is the first day. Now, since COVID, this is a holdover from COVID, essentially you have to make a video and then the sororities make a video. And what happens is they're watching every single potential new member's video and then you have to watch every single sororities video. So after that orientation day, you're watching these videos and then you have to go and rank all of the sororities in order from your very, very favorite to your least favorite. The sororities do the same thing, but on a much larger scale because at Alabama, if you have 13 potential new members and 18 sororities, they're having to do that for 3000 girls. So they're essentially doing the same thing but on a much bigger scale. So you'll go in and you'll say, okay, of the 18 sororities I saw, these are my top 10, and then everything else I'll just rank below below that. And then the next day, when you go into the second party, day of parties, you'll get an invitation list back of where you got invited. And I think the biggest misconception is that people think like, oh, I'm going to cut this sorority because I don't like them. It doesn't work like that. Like you're ranking them, not cutting them. And so even if you ranked a sorority dead last, you could still potentially get invited back to their house the next day for a party.
0: Does that end up though like where somebody just, it almost seems like a system that could end up with every, kind of nobody getting exactly what they wanted. Correct. (laughs)
1: Uh, Yeah. The point is, is that it's as, again, as long as you see it through, because the point of all the parties is for you to meet as many sorority members as possible so that you can make that decision. Like you might walk in thinking like, oh my gosh, tried out their Instagram. These girls are so beautiful. I want to be a part of them. They're awesome, blah, blah, blah. And then you get there and you're like, oh, actually I'm not, not quite sure about these girls. And so as you go through all the different parties and meeting all these different women, you'll start to realize like, oh, now it's shifted away from Tridel. And now I'm looking more at Kayo or Zeta or PiFi, or whatever. Um, and that's kind of the point of it, right? It's like you want to meet as many people as possible so that you can make the best decision for yourself. And again, they're doing the same thing. If you talk to five girls at PiFi, they're all fig- trying to figure out like, oh my gosh, Lori was awesome. She had the best conversations. She was funny. She was, you know, super like bubbly, blah, blah, blah. Or they're going to say like, you know what? She didn't really talk a lot. She didn't ask any questions. She seemed bored. And then that's kind of like how they make their decision of the PNMs moving forward. So you'll go to those houses and every day you have to rank and you get less and less invites back because there's a, a max amount of number that you can get invited back to each party. So because, I mean, look, if they wanted to invite 3,000 girls back every day, I'm sure they would, but they can't. So and obviously they want to spread it out evenly amongst all the 18 houses. So as you go through the process, you're getting your invite list back. It goes, for example, at Alabama, it goes from 18 to 12 to 7 to 2. So let's say I go get invited back for philanthropy round and the max number of invites that I can get back is 12. I probably won't get 12. I'll probably get eight. Right. And anything that's not on my invitation list, I'm done. Like I'm not going back to that house. I'll never think about them, see, see them again or anything. I got to now focus on who is on my invite list and go to those parties and, you know, have a good time and enjoy myself. And then again, you go into sisterhood and the maximum number of invites you can get is seven. I might not get seven. I might get four. And then going into preference, the max number of invites you can get is two.
0: When, when you were going through it, like when you went through the process, did you get to the place that you ultimately wanted? Yes.
1: Oh, yes. Congratulations. Thank you. That's good. <laughs> it was my number one choice <laughs>
0: for people. Does that ha how often does that happen though? If you were to put a percentage on it, like 10% of the time, somebody gets exactly mm. what they want. I, I, parking.
1: yeah, I would definitely say it's more than that. I would probably say it's like 60%.
0: Oh, that's pretty good. It's yeah. not like one person out of a 100 actually gets what they want, and the other mm-hmm. 99 are at like loser, loser five or
1: something, <laughs> right? Like like well, it, it's so funny because I remember a couple of years ago, I was helping this girl at Alabama, and she was from Chicago. And um, she was left with a house that she absolutely loved, and a house that she was just like, mm, they're, they're just not my vibe. And I coached her through that. I'm like, when you go in there, this is what you're going to tell this house that you love, and you're just going to knock it out of the park, and like you're just going to be awesome. And she ended up getting that house on her bid day list, so she was really
0: excited. Success story, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> so, kind of the devil's advocate. I don't know if that's the right question or not, right? But you see the stuff on social media, and let's take that for the grain of salt, right? Do people, do people of color, do people from less affluent backgrounds? Do they kind of get left out in the process?
1: I don't think so. I think when you're talking about certain regions of the country, it can seem like that. But I think it's also because there aren't a lot of, um, you know, people of color, women of color or from different socioeconomic backgrounds that go through the process. Um, Now, if you go to a big school like Alabama, you probably won't see a lot of those women um, rushing. But... They are there. It's just not in huge numbers. Um, And I think now at schools, especially in the South, they're starting to realize, again, like, we have to evolve in order to stay where we're at. Because at the end of the day, sororities nationally, they function as businesses. They're nonprofits, but they run like actual companies. And so they realize, like, hey, like, we need to diversify. We need to, you know, and all... Forms right, whether it's race, gender, sexuality, socioeconomic backgrounds, whatever. Like, there are programs established to kind of help them kind of break through and get those types of members because they realize that they're only going to be stronger when they have that diversity within their chapter.
0: Um, as a Rush consultant, how's business? I guess are you in demand? Yes, business booming. Seems good. Business booming. seems good for that, right? Yes, I'm already booking
1: for. Um, spring so January recruitment
0: how far in advance will people like contact you and get ready for this
1: so if you are rushing in August which is fall recruitment um people usually reach out to me in the winter I would say so prior to even them graduating and I start working with them in April
0: now, are they reaching out or the parents reaching out or is, or it, is like the student reaching out through the parents, right? Like how it's does a little
1: bit of, yeah, it's a little bit of both. I would say it's probably 60% parents, 40% young women.
0: Okay. Do you have to manage the parents? A role? I, and I say this because <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, okay. That is the answer. Yes. I interviewed a uh, previous guest was a beauty pageant coach and he said like, I manage the parents far more than I manage any of my contestants. Yes. What are the, what are the parents like?
1: Uh, so there are parents who are just like, I'm stepping away. This is her deal. Like, I'm just here to like kind of, you know, be the person who's paying. <laughs> and then um, there are parents who love to be on every session, love to ask questions, love to really be a part of it. I've had one one mom who that was a complete, you know, lesson learned on my end to do certain sessions with just the girl and not let the parents in. And she took over. She would answer questions for the daughter. She would interrupt and tell the daughter like, no, this is how you should answer it. Or she would focus on certain things that weren't that important. And it was just an, it was a nightmare to be qu- quite honest.
0: Yeah. I think there's always that parent, right? From sporting yes. events to everything. There's always that. Mm-hmm. There's always that parent. Is there right. a lot of, but does all of this put a lot of pressure on on younger people, right? Like, does this is this too much pressure, maybe, for somebody to be handling, or is this like, no, like this is life now, and it, you got to get used to it?
1: Yeah, I think there there are some girls. I, for example, I had one girl earlier this year, and it was too much, you know. And quite honestly, like, it, it got it got very overwhelming for her because. I was like, no, you need to change your picture on social media to this, or you need to start following all the sororities on Instagram, you need to put together social resume, you need to... And it was just too much for her, like she just could not handle it. So I was just like, all right, you know, like if you all want to step away, I'm perfectly fine with that. If something changes, please let me know, I'm more than happy to step back in and help. And then sometimes you get girls who are just really lazy and think if they show up and look cute that they'll be fine. And, like, they don't want to listen to what I say. And I'm like, your parents pay good money to have me help you, so let me help you, you know? And then they'll start to flail. And I'm telling you at the 11th hour, they're like, oh, my God, I need help. And, uh, you know, I'm just like, where have you been? (laughs)
0: Can't do it. So how much do you charge? I would
1: rather not say. Okay. Um it's, it's not, it's not pricey, but what I will say is that I do offer, um, like discounts for military, um, you know, if your parent was like a police officer or anything like that, you know, my father-in-law is a retired New York city cop. So like, I understand like, you know, having a family member who is a police officer or firefighter or military, um, Girls who are full ride academic scholars, if they can't afford the services, I'll help them out. Um, I had this one girl who, who was going to school at Alabama and rushing. She really wanted to do it, and her parents were just like, "You're responsible for paying." Um, she took two jobs, um, and to help kind of like pay for my services, one of them was at J Crew, so she could use her discount for the clothes and stuff like that for rush. And then I found out her dad was really sick, and I found out that she was killing herself to do all of this because she really wanted it. And when I found out her dad was ill because I lost my father in my senior year in college and the people that were there for me were my sorority sisters. They were by my side throughout the entire process. And I just knew that for her, like this meant something and she really wanted it. So I just stopped charging her.
0: Can you make a living as a full-time brush consultant? Like, is this industry big enough that you could do this full-time? And be comfortable. Yes. That's nice,
1: huh? <laughs> yeah. Well. And I live it, in New York City.
0: But is that because that's that in demand, or because there's not really that many people who do it?
1: Um, a little bit of both. I will say that, um, you know, I was in the documentary Bama Rush, and um, I would say most of my clients actually come from TikTok. But what I will say is, ever since that documentary came out. Everyone's a rush consultant, everyone
0: is. (laughs) Yeah, that's how it works, right? I've been doing
1: this for 10
0: years. Okay, now is there the opposite of, not the opposite of a rush consultant, but is there fraternity consultants?
1: I don't know, actually. I've never come across one. Um, they're, They're just, their process is so different. It's literally, theirs is more like, Dude, can you get hot chicks and you know, to our parties? It's like that kind of thing. Like, how many beers can you drink? You know, it's like, it's just so different.
0: Are you ready for some harder slash listener submitted questions?
1: Yeah, bring it.
0: Biggest mistake most people make:
1: not coming in prepared. You know, just showing up and winging it, um, and not having good conversations. I think a lot. Another big mistake is their social media presence. Um, like look, I was 18. I grew up in El Paso, Texas on the border. I started going over to Mexico, you know, when I was like 15. Like I get it, kids drink. Um, you know, biggest mistake is having social media pictures where it's, you know, lip syncing to dirty lyrics or, you know, uh, having red solo cups or, you know, whatever, you know, a white claw, anything like that in their social media because sororities don't want to see that. And I think a lot of girls think sororities do want to see that.
0: Yeah, that's jumps out at me, right? Because that's it's like they don't want to see the thing that college is kind of secretly all about.
1: Yeah,
0: hardest sorority to get into.
1: It it's it varies on by campus, to be honest. Because like I was a Chi Omega, but a Chi Omega from my school would have been completely different from like Iowa or Northwestern or, you know, whatever. Like I'm currently involved in the New York city, Chi Omega alumni association here, and we have Chi Omega's from all over the country and everyone is just so different
0: school where sorority is everything. Like what schools would you say? Like, Oh, it is everything at these schools,
1: Alabama, Georgia, Auburn, all mess. University of Florida, uh, UNC, Mm, I'm trying to think where else, it used to be Texas, and it's not, it's not a huge thing anymore, because, like, the student population is so diverse now, Um, Indiana, oddly enough. um,
0: Why is it, why does it seem to be confined almost exclusively to the South?
1: Tradition. I think for the most part, like having that tradition, whether it's in football, um, pageants, um, you know, a lot of the women who went to school down there end up staying down there because they're from the area, they're from the region. So they stay down there and their mothers were probably in sororities and their mother's mothers were probably in sororities. So it's this line of tradition that continues and I, I don't want to sound mean or anything, but you know, if this is what you want to do, this is fine. But a lot of them may not pursue a career. So they, you know, they're in junior league or, you know, anything like that where they're getting involved in kind of like another sorority, if you will. Um, and that just kind of continues and they're a part of it, which is great. Like that's fine. Um, but then there are areas where like, let's say the East coast, where you won't find a lot of sorority alums in this area. Um, It's really hard actually to find them. Um, You know, if they're married and have kids and they live in the suburbs or wherever, um, it's harder to find alums living in that area than in the South.
0: This one just says, how much of this is about the boys?
1: No, none of it. (laughs) Like, so for, so for example, you are not allowed to talk about boys during recruitment process. You're not going out to frat parties after the part after your rush parties, you're not um, doing any of that because it's not allowed. And so they want to make it truly about the sisterhood. So if you're on campus going through recruitment and some frat is throwing a rager, PNMs are not allowed to go.
0: Potential new members.
1: Yes, sorry, potential oh. new members. Yeah, they're not allowed to go. Then You don't talk about boys. You don't talk about, you know, who do you mix with or anything like that. That's just considered, like, in poor taste. Because, again, they want to focus on the sisterhood.
0: Oh, this one's kind of interesting. Biggest stereotype that isn't true.
1: That we're all dumb and that we're only there to party.
0: Do you think that, that some of that comes from people from the outside kind of looking at it with a certain mindset yes
1: i think it comes from like movies and television um because if you think about it uh if you see sororities on tv like the best movie that i can think of that i actually it's like one of my favorite movies is the house bunny um and uh you know she's like the playboy bunny that becomes like the house mom of the sorority and they're like the nerdy sorority but she like makes them cool and hot or whatever um but that's a stereotype, right? Like, it's not a stereotype of the beautiful girls. It's a stereotype of, like, the bad or loser sorority. But, like, they have the mean girl sorority that terrorizes them. Um, but if, if you think about it, like, no national sorority ever lends their name out to any movies, books, television series. And there's a reason for that because I feel like TV and and movies really – take that stereotype and run with it and make it so like, just gross, I guess. And I think at the end of the day, like they're just trying to protect their reputations.
0: Yeah, and I think that you could see it in kind of my line of questioning necessarily, is that movies and TV and media puts it into a category. And then no matter how hard anybody tries, it's, but it's already in this category.
1: Yeah. And, and honestly, I think like the national sororities, they're like, that's fine. If you want to think of us like that, go for it. But like, we're not like that. And that's why they don't lend their names out.
0: How will this impact my life moving forward? Why should I join a sorority at this age? How will this benefit me later in life? Basically.
1: I can't even begin to tell you how many doors have opened for me being a part of my sorority. Um, I think that after you graduate, you can do what you want with it. A lot of girls are like, peace out, I'm done, like, you know, I'm like moving on to the next chapter in my life. And there are a lot of girls who are like, this helped me in so many ways, or this was such a great experience for me that when I move and find my career outside of college, like. I'll join the Alumni Association or I'll go to different events that they they hold in my city. Um, and it just only connects you to other people. Example, in New York City, I've met so many wonderful women who are in different, you know, careers and different stages of their life. Um, but I learned so much more from people from all over the country that I've met here in New York. Um, when I lived in Chicago, same thing. Every single girl that I'm really good friends with was a part of my sorority, but from a different campus. And I get to learn about people and, you know, how they grew up or what their college experience was like. Cause it's, it's all different, you know, depending on where you're at. But I think honestly, like it's just, the, the connections, the networking, the opportunities whether it's in your career or you know anything like that. It can help you if you want. You can basically work it to your advantage.
0: What do you really think of all the videos on TikTok?
1: Um, you know, they're cute. They're they're I think they're harmless. I think what gets um what gets a lot of these girls, not I don't want to say in trouble, but um I think For a lot of sororities, they don't enjoy them because ever since 2021, when all these TikTok videos were going viral, which was outpacing the Olympics during that time, which I thought was funny, um, I think when that started to happen and then the trend caught on last year and now this year, sororities are thinking like, well, these girls aren't serious. They only want clout or they want to get famous. And I think it's a detriment to those potential new members. But I think they're cute. Like, I, like, it's interesting to kind of see like, oh, like this girl put this outfit together or whatever. And now you're seeing girls of um, different ethnicities, different, you know, various different backgrounds. Um, you know, you had Grant Sykes last year who, um, I guess, I don't, I, I'm not keeping up with him or following him, but at the time he or they, um, non-binary. So, you know, it's like really interesting to kind of see all of that. But um I, I personally think they're cute, but I can understand why sororities wouldn't want them to do that.
0: What do you think that it is about like people from the outside that kind of why do you think they're so fascinated by it? Because
1: everything is a secret and everything is, you know, kept, you know, only between like this small group of people. And I think when you have that like you know, that secrecy or whatever, I think a lot of people are like, well, what are you keeping a secret? You know, like everyone loves to hear a good secret, right? So I think it's just like, well, what are you hiding? You know, it's like there must be something there. Um, I think that's why people get fascinated with it because at the end of the day, behind closed doors, they have no idea what's going on.
0: Yeah, I could see that, right? Because you see this stuff and you're like, well, if they're doing this in public, what are they really doing? Mm-hmm. You know, what's really going on? Yeah. Is there usually a big secret behind closed doors or is it kind of like, Amounts to you go behind the secret curtain and it's, the secret sauce is just mayonnaise <laughs> and ketchup kind of thing. Um,
1: yeah, I, so this is really funny. At the end of the day, most sororities, like, they have an initiation, right? Like, at the end of your your um, new member program or pledge ship when I was in the 90s, that's what we called it. But um, at the end of the day, a lot of the initiations are, like, relatively the same.
0: <laughs> you know, it's pretty like, much all the same.
1: Yeah. And so with that being said, like, I think if you did look in, you would just see like this beautiful house with these lovely girls inside. And at the end of the day, it's just a big meeting, right? You meet every week and you have your pledge meeting and you have your, you know, actives meeting. And then you guys are discussing like, okay, homecoming's coming up. Who are we going to pair? I mean, it's really not a, a lot of, you know, anything. It's just really awesome people getting together and having fun on college campuses.
0: That's really all the questions I got. Is there anything that you think that we missed? How can people get a hold of you, all that kind of stuff?
1: Yeah, so my website is greekchicnyc.com. I'm on TikTok, greekchicnyc as well. Um, And yeah, I mean, other than, you know, I'm really, I love doing what I do. And I love helping girls reach their full potential while still figuring out who they are. And I think I help out with that a lot. Um, So I'm part therapist, part cool aunt, part, you know, ball breaker. Um, (laughs) So, yeah.
0: I want to thank Lori so much for joining us. If you want to connect with her, we have linked to her on our social media accounts. We're profoundly pointless on TikTok, threads, Instagram, and YouTube. And we've also included her information in the episode description. Quick reminder, the YouTube version of this episode will be live on July 20th at 4.30 p.m. Pacific. Okay, now let's bring in John Schull and get to the pointless part of the show. Have you ever been a part of a secret club?
2: (laughs) No, but I, I always wish you ever seen the movie The Skulls. Yeah, the original one, right? With the guy Paul Walker, the original one. I remember Josh Jackson. I don't remember Paul Walker, but I'm sure. I he's... always. Wait, is Josh Jackson the guy that I think is Topher Grace? <laughs> I'm going to guess probably
0: yes. There's always those actors of a certain age that you can't exactly remember who which one is. Like, I always got Kurt Russell and Patrick Swayze confused.
2: Jesus. Christ. Okay, well. That I that I don't forgive you for, but Topher Grace and anybody else that you mentioned prior to Kurt Russell and uh, Patrick Swayze, I'm okay with. Okay. So go on about, you always wanted to be a part of the Skulls. Yeah, I just, you know, growing up, I mean, what was I, 15, 16 or something when that movie came out? I always thought it'd be cool to be a member of a, a secret society or something. And then you get older and you actually kind of uh, realize that they're kind of lame, really. I think that some of them can probably have really good connections, but those are probably
0: the ones that we've never really heard about or don't really know very much about. If
2: you kind of know about it, it's probably not that great of a secret. Like, what, what's that, uh, the book or, or the movies with Tom Hanks, uh, the Da Vinci Code with like the Illuminati and stuff? Like, if those are real, that's badass. Yeah, I think that life is really much more simpler than that. I don't really think that there is a big,
0: grand conspiracy or secret groups that are controlling the world. I think generally when that stuff happens, it's usually plain and right in front of you, and we just don't pay any attention to it.
2: Isn't that how we live our lives? We don't realize what's right in front of us, Nick. We don't realize what's right there.
0: Well, we're always looking for something, some new danger, some new trend. But the reality is usually directly in front of us, right? Like, it's not going to be some secretive thing that gets you. It's going to be a car.
2: Yeah. Right? Speaking like, of danger I have to tell you uh, we can talk about it now or we can talk about it after this segment but uh, something happened in my basement yet again during ping pong What is it? Like At some point like we gotta hear another basement story I mean it's becoming regular I had a guy go through my wall I've had people scuff up the ceiling hitting it with ping pong paddles This one's this one's pretty good though.
0: Okay, all right, let's hear it. Let's so one it. of the
2: guy who one of the guys who plays is he's like six foot four. He's a tall, lanky guy, and uh, I have some floating shelves with probably. I mean, I'm looking at him. Probably about thirty glasses on them. Yeah, dude. Like I'm just gonna go ahead and jump into this right at this point right now. Right, like there's a reason
0: that everybody puts a ping pong table in the garage, not in their basement.
2: I mean, you might right. Be right. You like might let's be have right.
0: a let's have a bullfighting rink. Where are you gonna put it? Basement. It's a bad idea. Okay? Um, There's things go in certain places and when you try to buck the system, this is what happens to you. And the fact that you haven't learned your lesson is mind-boggling to me.
2: You know me for how long now? I'm never going to learn my lesson. Never.
0: Why is that though? Like why don't
2: Why don't you learn? Because you know what? Someday I'm going to I'm going to wind up on top and I'm going to be able to flip off everything else.
0: Has that happened in any avenue of your life yet?
2: <laughs> no no not, not even close all right we'll just keep um, trying
0: all right all right finish the story about what happened i'm sure anyways, the glasses broke somebody got something and now it's gonna cost you how much money
2: uh it cost nothing but yes he he raised his arm and knocked over the shelf and about 10 glasses broke and it was uh could have been way worse than it was i mean there were people standing in the vicinity of the glasses but luckily none of them hit anybody
0: I've never really understood the saying could have been way worse. Like, everything
2: could have been way worse. Things See, could I'm... always be worse. It's funny you say that because I, I actually agree with you. Everything. Somebody could have died. That's pretty bad, right? Finality is kind of what the worst, I would think. Do you want to be
0: in a secret club someday, though? Do you want to get into <sighs> a secret club? Did you ever think of joining a
2: fraternity? <laughs> I did. but uh, So I went to a smaller college. Um, but oddly enough, it was about three thousand students, and there was like fourteen frats and sororities, and uh, I got blackballed from one, which meant I was blackballed from all of them because it was such a small campus. So, how
0: did you get blackballed?
2: I mean, I, I guess it's long enough ago, right? I, I can I can kind of hint at the story, but uh, it was during rush, you know, when when you're when you're going through all the initiations and whatever, and um, one of my friends. Who was already in the fraternity uh, was basically asking me to do something, and I said no, I'm not doing that. And then he proceeded to like try to have a power trip over me, and I basically threatened to beat him within a, within an inch of his life. And uh, they kicked me out. And then I remember, like, the next year I was thinking about going to another fraternity, and they were like, "No, man, you're you're blackballed from the from the society, from the fraternal society here." So you were on the list. I guess I'm. I mean, it never stopped me from going to general parties at these places. But oh, I you guess, just couldn't, you just yeah. couldn't get in. I just couldn't huh. get in. Yeah. So, but you know what, looking back on it, I'm, I'm actually kind of, and listen, I need to say this because I feel like I come, I'm coming across as kind of a douche right now. If you're in a, if you're in a fraternity or sorority, great. If that's what you want, I'm, I'm all for it. But looking back on it, I'm glad I never joined one. Cause I don't think it, been, it would have been, it wouldn't have benefited me at all. I don't
0: know if that's one of those decisions that if you join or you don't join, I don't think that anybody really regrets it at the end of the day, right? Oh, I wish I would have been in one. Or like, oh, I wish I wasn't in one. I think that's one of those decisions that looking back on it seems like a major point of your life, but afterwards you're just kind of like, eh, not a big deal. Yeah, I mean,
2: I do think when you go to larger institutions, like the alumni base for some of those, are are you know, it matters, right? Like the Skulls were... Some of them have uh, millionaires who are alumni alumnus and they help out, but I don't think that's most people's cases. But yes, if someone was to come to me with like some skeleton key tomorrow and was like, go unlock this door in Moulin Rouge it or whatever with Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman, uh, which is not the right movie. I don't even remember what movie it was, but remember the movie with them where like they're in no. some secret society or something? No, I um, don't
0: think it's Moulin Rouge. No, Eyes, wide it is... shu- Eyes wide shut. Eyes wide shut. Yes, yes, you got it. I've never seen that movie.
2: It just seems like um, the
0: kind of movie that's like one of those titles that could be anything. Like, oh, what's that about?
2: I think I would just do it out of pure curiosity. Like, I wouldn't want to really be like I don't want to commit, but like I would just want to go through the paces just to see what it's like. I feel the same way I feel about horror movies. I don't want to see them, but I just kind of want to know the plot. Like, what
0: happens? And then that's it. But you were a part of a secret club. You were a part of a secret club of all the people who were blackballed from every place on campus. <laughs> that's got to be a secretive club.
2: Well, th- this might actually be the first time this has ever come out, so publicly. So that's, yeah. It's, I don't think they want it to get out and be known because I think, you know, they're essentially they're a business, right? They don't want people to think that can happen. They want everyone to, you know, come and rush and, and think they have a chance. They don't want people to know that like hey we can it's our house our rules you know
0: yeah i think dude i think that everybody knows that i don't think that that's it like well, a big cut you're not going to expose the truth that some people aren't able to get into the fraternity or sorority there. little
2: 19 year old johnny didn't give a shit all right he was still getting his alcohol somewhere and still partying at some point so well that's that's good it seems to have worked out for you and <laughs> now it's just in your basement breaking glasses okay oh. And walls, uh, by the way. Are
0: these commemorative glasses, or are they either replaceable glasses?
2: They are. Th- thankful. Uh, thankfully enough, they are replaceable glasses, because there was one glass I did not want to break, and it didn't. So do you, do you, you, have, a, do you have a special mm-hmm. glass? Do you have, like, a glass that if it broke, you'd be upset?
0: No, it's a glass. I figured you'd say that. I can just get another one, man. The only thing I, I say is. The only special glasses that I have are the glasses that look like they're glass but are actually plastic. I can't understand that, right? Like, ooh, that's a nice glass. Can you tell the difference? Like, oh, (laughs) no way. Pour it out of there. Try it in this one. Now it's going to taste
2: better. Also, I think I feel the need to have to call you out on something real fast.
0: Okay, okay, okay.
2: You know what's coming. I don't. You give me constant shit for being a fairweather sports fan but what did you do this past weekend i went to a soccer game.
0: Because i had free tickets like you're not going to use free tickets is this the gist of your argument like oh you're no. a fairweather fan because you got something no. for free
2: and then used it no but i can tell you that if i got free tickets to something that i had no interest in i wouldn't go even if it was the first time and you've never been to one before so he was like, hey, John, I got free tickets
0: to a rodeo. You want to go to a rodeo? You're going to be like, no. You're going to be the kind of guy that doesn't want to experience new things
2: in life. Just want to stay in your little bubble. I mean, at this point in my life, probably. But <laughs> no, I want to stay home. Uh, no, mm. I mean, ro- rodeos could be fun. I'm just saying all the shit you give me specifically about soccer. And here you are going to a semi-pro hometown team. Like, I'm, first off, I'm proud of you. I support my
0: community and I'm not going to turn down free tickets. And do you think that I really didn't go there and get some dipping Dots? Because I love dipping Dots. And it's like across the street from my house. Your whole argument is just, it's not a good one, right? Like, oh, I'm, you're you're hypocritical because you took free tickets and went That's... and sat there and did nothing. I didn't even watch the game. Don't even know who won. But you know what I did do? I had a good time with my family.
2: Oh, see so now you're going to bring your family into it and make me feel like a dick. Right. Well, well. shoe fits. Uh, okay. If you can bench more than me, it's probably smaller. Uh, All right, let's give some shout-outs. Joe Slucher, Antonio Cordova Jr. You think people call him Slow Joe? Joe Slucher, Slow Joe. Cole Alexander, George Cryer, Stanley Wright. Stanley, not a name that you hear
0: a lot, but a solid name. Stan, Stanley. That's a... a 70 year old's name right there Who's that? Stanley
2: Everybody knows who's Stanley Andrew Kraft Noah Spencer Nick Adams Trey Sanders And we're gonna end With Glenn Hubbard Because I, I like I, I realized when I was going through doing some, some Names here, I like Glenn I like a good Glenn not enough Glens in the world. I agree with you. Glen is a solid name that should be
0: whatever popularity it is in. It should be moved up to the next tier, no higher, just the next tier.
2: Also, I feel like I need to give a shout out to our community of people who listen to us because I've been doing these shout outs now for I don't know how long, at least three years. Mm-hmm. And I was going back. I send Nick an email every every week with the shout out list, and I and I I just randomly probably went through about a dozen. Just to see if there was by chance that I had duplicated any names, I'm yeah. quite I'm quite certain I haven't duplicated names ever on these top ten lists, which is an awesome thing to say. But also, it just you know, thank you to everybody that likes our social media or comments or whatever. It's uh, it, it's it's good to see. It makes us feel good. Yeah,
0: I mean, it's generally nice, right? Like, it's 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 nice to know that somebody else appreciates the work that you put into it. I, right. It's a good feeling. Like, and we I, really appreciate it whenever somebody says something. Even if somebody says something negative, I'm still like, oh, well, thanks for listening. Like, that's kind of a new perspective. I'm always interested in what people have to say.
2: It's it's usually against my opinions as people who are angry towards us. Yeah. But. There seems to be a lot of that. But, you know, I what? do love
0: a good John Wrong. Remember, if you see something that John says and you want to comment, just put wrong. And he throws himself into a tizzy about it.
2: I I don't. I just, I've learned to kind of not get so emotional when people say mean things about me. So it's fine. Yeah,
0: dude, you just kind of don't worry about it. I think it's (laughs) fascinating. I think it's a great time to hear what people really think. I love hearing what somebody really thinks. Like honesty, no matter what what the result is.
2: It's better to be honest. An honest Abe, right? Yeah, sure. All right, uh, let's play some factor. F- 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 oh, we're doing fiction. this again, two weeks in a row. Okay, all right. Yeah. Okay, all right. I want to see if you can go four for four again. Part of the reason why I didn't mix this segment is I I, I kind of want to I, I want to keep going till you don't get fifty percent. Okay. Because I, to be honest, and Nick has no idea what I'm about to ask him. He just randomly says factor fiction. So let's start off with this one first. A uh, factor fiction. A penny dropped from the top of the Empire State Building can kill you. Well, it can only accelerate to a certain amount of... to a certain
0: speed. And I would actually probably say no, it wouldn't, because it would probably get moved all over the place. God dang it! Five yeah, for the five! Way, well, the wind, man, right? Like, you have terminal velocity. It doesn't matter how much farther it is. Like, something reaches terminal velocity, and it's not going to go any faster than that.
2: Wow, well... Okay, so uh, on MythBusters, fantastic show. If you've never seen it, by the way, for everybody out there, especially also, can't, also canceled. I believe canceled, but it was a fan. Listen, all you young people out there, give it a give it a give it a chance. Uh, scientists determined that a penny traveling at terminal velocity cannot penetrate concrete or asphalt. It would not cause serious damage to a person, and even at the speed of sound, would still not damage flesh. At most. It would sting a little and maybe leave a, a small or minor welt.
0: You're going to tell me that a penny, which is a piece of metal at the end of the day, going 800 miles an hour isn't going to do anything to you? I
2: mean, that
0: part, I'm like, whoa, oh,
2: wait a minute here. That's, I mean, yeah, I I didn't believe it. That's why I asked you, and you got it correct. It apparently is fiction. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right, let's see here. Uh, fact or fiction? There is an an alien abduction insurance policy that you can purchase. Yes. That is fact. That is absolutely true. How? Okay, well, you said that with confidence. So before I give the reasoning, uh, how do you know that? Or, or why are you so confident in saying that it's true? Because I have it. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, dude. Do you
0: think I have alien abduction insurance?
2: Yes. How much I think a cost? lot of people have strange shit, and it would not surprise me if people out there right now are like, yeah, I have it. But for you to say that you are that aware of it surprises me because I didn't even think it was a thing. I mean, I've like, I don't remember how I've seen it,
0: but I've seen like an article on alien abduction insurance. It's a real thing. It's the kind of thing that if you're ever like scrolling through social media and you see an advertisement or something for alien abduction insurance, like that's going to stand out to you. You're going to notice that.
2: <laughs> be like one of our former colleagues that now does infomercials. I could see him. Oh, uh, okay. Alright. No, maybe not. six
0: for six, baby. <laughs> not- <laughs> now I jinx
2: myself. Now I jinx myself. I got just I just got cocky a second ago,
0: so here comes the end of it.
2: No, I, I don't know. I, I think I, I think you're you're kinda of figuring it out, but here we go. Um is there such a thing called a wolfin? Which would be a mixture of a whale and a dolphin. Oh, that one, yeah,
0: probably. No, yeah, I would think that there probably is something.
2: So you're going fact or fiction?
0: Hmm. Is there such a thing as a wolf in the middle?
2: Yeah. No,
0: the species can't be interbreed like that, and they're different species, so I would say no.
2: You definitely jinxed yourself. I did? It is Uh, true.
0: What is it? It's a mix of
2: a what and a what. 1985, a bottlenose dolphin and a false killer whale produced a baby uh, named— What's a false killer whale? If it's not really a whale, then it's not a wolfin. (laughs) I don't—well, I told you, our research department, they're just going on vacation for months. I have no idea. But uh, they—these two animals uh, uh, created—I'm not going to say the name—Kikamalu. They're members of the dolphin family. I'm correct. There's no such thing as a wolfin
0: because it's just two dolphins. False killer whales are large members of the dolphin family. It's just another dolphin.
2: Hmm. We may have to put that one up for a boat. I don't
0: think that we do. I think that that's pretty much Let's just film. right in fact. It's a member of the dolphin family, so it is a dolphin. It is not a whale. Species mm. cannot interbreed, right? You can't uh. mix a dog and a cat. They're different species.
2: Nah, I think we're gonna have to take this one to uh, some social media platform because, I, I you oh, know I think
0: I, the facts I think the facts speak for themselves. It's not right, a whale. It's well, not a say, whale. Well, it's a dolphin.
2: We'll say that that one's not applicable at the moment. We'll keep your okay. your all right. You're your staying a hundred percent.
0: Staying a hundred percent.
2: All right. Here, number Me, four. Getting the facts wrong as usual. Hair and fingernails continue to grow after death. Yes. That is not true.
0: Well, I mean, why would they kind of... There's something else that happens, right? Like, you have the
2: appearance of it. So, apparently, the BBC did an in-depth investigation on this question and found that nerve cells die within three to seven minutes after death, proving that everything stops growing. Mm. However, the skin around the hair... And fingernails retracts after death due to dehydration, which makes them appear longer.
0: I have to raise contention with both of those last questions because I feel like they were slightly trick questions.
2: I So I'm they don't a, grow, but they appear to grow. Two out of three ain't bad. Meatloaf even said it. Is he, he died, didn't he? He did die. I've I've never had proper meatloaf. I've always had just like hamburger mixed up with some onions, with some ketchup on top. I've never had, like, a proper meatloaf. What is a proper meatloaf? Because that sounds like meatloaf to me, just meat <laughs> with some onions. I don't just know. Every time I, d- I see meatloaf, there's, like, a tomato puree on top with, like, seasoned ground beef and onions and maybe some cheese. and I don't know, man. I mean, I think that meatloaf, all that
0: really defines what meatloaf is is the shape of it. <laughs> Otherwise, it's just a change in the recipe. Like, does it come in, like, does it look like a loaf of bread? Then it's meatloaf. doesn't matter what it is.
2: There's only one meatloaf to me, and he died in what year? 2021. I would have said 2020. He died in 2022. No offense to meatloaf, but, like,
0: okay. It wasn't really ever that. I was more f- known for his name than any of his music. It was all
2: right. Oh, no. Come on, man. He is... A pioneer. If you've ever seen Meatloaf play a concert, and I hope there's somebody out there listening to this that has, the dude would play for five hours. He'd go through like seven shirts of sweat alone.
0: I've never understood that, right? Like if you were a musician, you, you still want to be playing those same songs. Like think about how many times. Uh, I'm trying to think of a really popular band that's been along for a long time. Like think of how many times the Rolling Stones have played a song. Like Sympathy for the Devil. They probably played that a thousand times. Probably oh, more than that.
2: Yeah. It's funny you say that because I've, I've kind of gotten to an Eddie Money kick recently. And I was listening to an interview where someone asked him a similar question to that. And he says that he doesn't he didn't even like playing his hits. He oh, I would playing, think he'd be so sick of it. Yeah, new stuff and different things. But th- that's not what the audience wants, right? They want your hits. They want what they know.
0: Yeah, that would be weird, right? Like no matter... <laughs> That's the thing. I feel like with any musician, after... I think any musician really only has, like, one to two good albums. Like, you've got one to two, and then maybe you can get a couple of good songs in your other albums. But otherwise, I think you're kind of out of it. So imagine Mm. having, like, a 50-year career where you've been playing songs that you wrote 40 years ago, and you're still playing that. Like (laughs) Then you probably collect your check, and you're like, I'm okay with it.
2: Yeah, and you continue... collect a check and you're like yeah i'm all right this is fine yeah i'm all right with that like i didn't like this song but i do like the house that it bought i always wonder like vanilla ice right like wherever he goes even if no matter if he tried changing genres or whatever people were still going to want him to do ice ice baby no matter what he ever did in his life
0: it's the only thing that really that they've ever wanted so he should probably i would think that you probably go from being it's like anything else, I think. When you have that level of fame, you probably
2: go from being like embracing it to being sick of it to trying to claw back into it, you know. And then you're like Britney Spears, and you apparently hit yourself in the face and say that another celebrity I, did it. I never understood what was happening with that. She's like, I'm
0: just gonna leave. <laughs> I'm gonna leave all Britney Spears-related topics alone. That's, That's my new. That's like, I'm just like, whatever, mm-hmm, Britney. Right. good job good <laughs> yeah.
2: do, do you whatever you're doing let's uh let's move on let's let's go into our top five Um, uh, i'm not entirely sure what our top five is i confused
0: myself as i went along with it but top five sayings you're glad are gone
2: <laughs> what's your number five i mean i don't know how this is confusing but uh uh so my number five is whoop there it is you're going to have to do that when, again, Your are network bogged down. What is happening today? you's uh, in Detroit, bro. You're in Detroit, right? Move to a real fucking city, and you won't have these problems. They're going to see Ballard FC. Uh, all right, so my number five is whoop. What's Detroit got? What's Detroit got?
0: Does Detroit even have a sports team anymore that you can call a professional sports team? Because you certainly can't say that about the Detroit Pistons. You certainly can't say that about the Detroit Lions or the Detroit Red Wings or whoever Detroit else does. Because what are the championships that they're getting? Zero over the last 1,000 years.
2: Are, are you done? I'm
0: done, and so is Detroit with producing quality sports products.
2: Yeah, watch the Detroit Lions this year. Oh, watch them. Uh, we'll watch them, not make the playoffs.
0: You want to bet in that? Sure, how much money you want to put on it. Because whatever amount you're comfortable with, I'm comfortable with.
2: Are, are you $2? Serious? $2? <laughs> I mean, I, I'll go I'll go 100 on it. I'll take that money. You that All right, fine. You're you're crazy.
0: But did they make it last year? Cuz every time that there's the new hot team in football, what happens to the new hot team in football? Oh wait, all the analysts were wrong. Nope. Okay, fine. 100 bucks. Anyways, who was it who was it last year? Who was it last year? Cuz it's the Cowboys
2: year every year and it never is. <laughs> well, that's different. I never bet on the Cowboys. No. Ever. Man. I love the Cowboys. I love it.
0: Nothing. No. Everyone should like the Cowboys, either because they like the Cowboys or they really like to infuriate people
2: who like the Cowboys. <laughs> all right, my number five sayings. I'm glad are gone. Whoop! There it is.
0: That's an amazing saying. That should be brought
2: back. I don't understand what the problem with "Whoop! There it is" at all. There's a lot. First off, the song sucks. Secondly, the 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 saying doesn't really make a lot of sense. Like, wh- what is "Whoop"? And where is it? Like, why is it there? It's just
0: not in the culture, man. I guess You're not, not. hip. You're not hip. I don't know I what it. it really means, but it meant, boop, there it is, man. Like, fuck, we're going to have a good time. <laughs> yeah. Like, there it is. Like, that's no all idea. you need to know. Like, woo, there it is. <laughs> woo! Right. That's, I'm great. I'm fine with that. Um. Hmm. My number five is anything along the lines of I did a thing. <laughs> yeah. I hated that saying. I did a thing. That was just a way to humble brag without sounding like you were humble bragging. Like, don't yeah. try to soften it in. Just do it. I did a thing. No, yeah. you got married. You got divorced. You <laughs> got a new job. You didn't do a thing. You did
2: something specific. You did something you And you just, you you just, you just want credit
0: for be. it without trying
2: to act like you, you're taking credit for it. It was humble bragging before humble bragging was a term. It's the evolved version of humble bragging. That's what it is.
0: Okay. My brain stepped all over you there, but I'm okay with that. I was upset about
2: it. That's, you are. I mean, your bitch has been ranting all, all episode. Uh, my number four is, what's up, playa?
0: <laughs> I'm okay with some sayings if they just now become used ironically. Like, bro. I love saying bro.
2: Yeah, I, I say that. I I call everyone brother. But I don't say what's up playa anymore. I
0: don't think you ever really could, to be honest with you. We don't fit we don't fit the uh demographic that can Mm-mm. say that well. <laughs> you can't be a white kid from the suburbs and be like, What's up, player? <laughs> Doesn't no. work out for No, you. unfortunately, yeah, I know. My number four is YOLO. I'm glad YOLO is gone. I always thought it was a stupid saying.
2: I you actually only live still,
0: once. I actually still say it. So I know. I know you do.
2: I know you Yolo, do. YOLO,
0: man. YOLO, which is usually said before something stupid is about to happen. Like you only live <laughs> once. Well, you don't have to cut it short. <laughs> no, you don't have to cut it you short. You don't have to cut it short. And that's usually YOLO is usually said before that one life gets cut short.
2: <laughs> it's actually kind of funny.
0: Yeah, uh, I was
2: pretty proud of that, actually. My number three is, uh, it's darkest just before the dawn. Oh, I think that that's a good life kind of thing. I think that's something that
0: can inspire people a little bit, right? Like, look, man, you got to know it's, it's, it's going to get worse before it gets better. I think that's kind of a symbol of hope. I don't know why you have a problem with
2: lifting people up. I, I, we don't lift people up on this podcast. We bring them down. No, that's true. (laughs) That is true. Um...
0: My number three is very broad, but I think also very kind of appropriate at the same time. And my number three is anything that someone over the age of 35 or under the age of 10 says that's a slang term. If someone outside of 15 to 30 is using a slang term, it's run its course. My seven-year-old came home and said sus the other day, which means that sus should be now out of our nomenclature. If you're too old or too young to be saying it, it means it's like it's over, right? If you're dapping in 2023, it's over. It's done.
2: What What does sus mean? Suspect? Yeah, dude. Okay. I, do not, I know don't know. That? I don't know. And that's the appropriate response. You shouldn't know.
0: If you were saying it at your age, that's not appropriate. It's It's run its course. Once it reaches mass, critical mass, it should be over with so anything that someone over 35 or under 10 says
2: so my number two is a tie and i have just the word groovy like yeah man groovy bro groovy this you're so groovy you're groovy and that's dope oh i think that those are making a comeback i feel differently
0: I feel like Groovy is along the lines of Cool Beans, where it doesn't matter what it is. It's always going to be good. Cool Beans is terrible, too. Cool Beans, Groovy. I like it when I get hit with one of those. (laughs) Like, hey, Cool Beans. Like, oh, yeah. That was, yeah. It's going to come back around, man. All those are going to come back around. Stupid. Cool Beans, Bill. Cool Beans. My number two is Cap. I never really liked (laughs) Cap. It was kind of cool for a little bit. Like, it was kind of a cool, different thing. But ultimately, it's not any more efficient than just saying lying. It's kind of like a cowardly way of like, oh, I'm not going to call him a liar. I'm just going to say it's cap. <laughs> say him, Call him a liar. Like, put it's it out there. Don't I, give me this fake stuff. Give it to me real.
2: Just give it to you. I like it. Anytime I'm getting it. So my <laughs> my number one is just Jim Head saying that they're swole. Oh, I love swole, dude. I'm swole, bro. You swole? You want a good swole? Like, shut the fuck up, dude. That doesn't even make sense if you think about it. Well, obviously you ain't never been swole. No, you know I what? I've been, so I've been swole. tight. I've been, you know, I've been feeling I, good, not swole, bro. And it's always like the the people that you would think say it that say it. I have no problem with swole. I find it to be hilarious. Hey, you want some protein shake, man? It's gonna gonna make you swole. Like,
0: get out of my face. You don't have a swole mate. You gotta get yourself a swole mate. Jesus that's hilarious. Oh. I think that's hilarious. Okay. That's my swole mate. If I could drop I this that mic, hilarious. I would
2: just drop this mic right now. I think it's hilarious.
0: I love it. I love it. Swole mate. Swole mate. Jacked and juicy. Like you don't want to get juicy as fun. That's
2: actually pretty good. I've never heard swole mate before. That's kind of good.
0: Swole mate's funny. Swole mate is what saves it. Once you hear about swole mate, it saves swole because now it's just hilarious. Ugh, swole mate. That's okay.
2: All right, fine. Swole mate's funny.
0: All right. My number one is anything in the lungs of, like, my truth. I'm going to tell my truth. I don't think that that just doesn't annoy me. I think that that's a detriment to society because it implies that there's not such a thing as the truth i think that that's a detriment to society it allowed people to kind of dive into their bullshit i think that's a problem i mean have you looked around lately there's a lot of
2: there's a lot of my truths going on around the
0: world i I think that that's a big problem is that now people think that just because it's your idea that that has some validity no that there's real hard in fact truths in this world and just because you don't agree with it doesn't mean that you're wrong there's no such thing as
2: my truth. There's just the truth. I mean, but my truth can be whatever I want it to be. That's the problem. So then you
0: justify your perceived biases and you drift farther and farther out into the universe, supposed to being grounded in reality. You you ranted a lot this episode. You must be angry. I'm becoming an angry man. What do you have in your honorable
2: mention? Uh let's see, what do I have? Uh flub the dub. Never heard of that before. What the hell is that? I've no idea. You just never you never used to say flub the dub, flub a bub dub, dub a dub, blub, blubber. No, no, all right. Uh, not up to dick. That one was a weird one in high school that I still don't I've really know. I've never heard of these. What are you doing? I've no idea. You just um, go to like
0: a private school, like a Catholic private school where they thought this stuff was cool.
2: No, uh, who let the dogs out? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> M- Money can't buy happiness. I hate that
0: saying. I hate that saying. And
2: I know, I think it it still might be around, but I had to put it on the honorable mention regardless. Well, money can buy happiness because it makes your life easier, which can make you
0: a lot happier. So I don't like that saying
2: either. If I win Powerball, I'm going to be very happy.
0: I'm going to make myself pretty fucking happy. Yeah. Right? Maybe it doesn't fundamentally change who you are, but it certainly can make your life easier. you have any other ones? That was it. Um, I don't want to go into them, but any of those kind of, like, semi-political phrases that people use that have lost all kinds of meaning. I'll just throw out, like, fake news, woke, snowflake. Like, it's just applied to anything that someone doesn't agree to. It doesn't have any meaning anymore whatsoever. Anything that's like a political buzzword is just like, oh, gosh. Stay away from that.
2: Um, Speaky. I don't know what that means. Well, God willing, we're still doing this podcast next year. We'll be oh talk- Bay I always oh, hate it my bae. gosh
0: any any ways to like refer to a significant other that's like Bay,
2: hubby all of those are awful. Well, I mean, I'm okay with pet names, but Bay is Bay Bay is one of those. <laughs> What's your pet name again? What's
0: your pet name again? Because I remembered it just now. What's your pet <laughs> name again? Do you want to say it? What do you and your wife call each other? I I think
2: you should say it.
0: Hey, bubs. Hey, wubs. Okay, that's going to go ahead and do it for this episode of Profoundly Pointless. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, leave us a quick review. Doesn't have to be a big thing. Just a couple of quick words really helps us out. And let us know what you think are some of the worst sayings that you're just glad are gone. I do really wish more people would say cool beans, though. I think that needs to make a comeback. And I don't know what John's problem with whoomp, there it is, is. I think he just doesn't get it. Seeking
1: the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties.